All right, we back. We back, y'all, with another episode of Check the Credits Podcast, where we pay homage, show respect, you know what I mean, to some of the people that helped create some of these masterpieces that y'all listen to, you know what I mean, some engineers, some songwriters, background singers, some people that, unless you check the credits, you don't know who did what. And in today's climate, with the way things are, you don't have the you, you have the ability to do it, but you got to do a little due diligence to do it. A lot of people don't do it. So we're going to give people props here, and um, we're going to show some love. And um, on today's episode, man, we got somebody, legendary producer, um, worked with the likes of the great KRS-One, um, Mary J. Blige, P. Diddy. Back then he was Puffy. You feel me? Puff Daddy. You feel me? Uh uh man, exhibit. Some of y'all think exhibit's just from Pimp My Ride. No, exhibit had bars and I mean, he still got bars. I heard him on the on the Compton album. He still got bars. Um who else? Man, I mean, and, and a host of others, bro. But right now we're gonna bring on none other than the legendary producer, my brother Jesse West. What's, peace, the word, peace. what's up, Chop? What's, what's up? What's good? What's good, my brother? Long time, brother. Long time, yes, man. Sir. We gonna back, man. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, I always start out the show uh, kind of telling people about, you know, some of the artists you work with, but to get more specific, let the people know some of these records that you did for these people. Uh, well, yeah, well, you know, uh, I, I started out the first the first project I ever did. Well, first of all, I did I did the Jizz's first single, Come Do Me. I, I, I left that out. My bad. The Jizz, this is this. He did the genius, not the Jizz. He, he was the, the genius. He was the genius. Well, he was right. the genius. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, he was the genius, and uh, you know, I have met, I have met, I have met genius and rock and RZA rock through a brother named Mel Kwan. Mel Kwan, yeah. And so Mel Kwan, you know, introduced me to them, and that that was a blessing. Um, I also did, uh, you know, I did songs on the Heavy D album, on the Blue Funk album. I did three songs on it. I did. I also rhymed. I'm the first one rhyming on a bunch of niggas. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Who's on the microphone? A bunch of niggas. Yeah, 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 yeah. So me and my man Roland, blessed dead, he passed away. Uh, me and him, we rhymed first on that record, uh, and then and then two other songs on on the Heavy D album, man. Which that was another blessing uh, to work with. Have 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 looked out for me, man. I tell people because have was was all he was always going gold. So my first gold record. Wow. Wow. Fun. Man, you know, I, I always used to tell him, you know, thanks for letting me come along for the ride, because he was good. That record was going to be gold whether I was on it or not. You know, got you, got you. Uh, then I got a, I got a, I got to go. I did the Super Cat, Dolly, my baby. Word, word. Uh, and a lot of people remember the video of me rhyming on there with Big and Puff. Um, that was another gold record. Uh, but my proudest gold record was Step Into a World that I produced for K for KRS One. Hands down. Uh, yeah. That that one was the was um my most successful record, man, to be honest, man. That record we recorded that record like in ninety five. So that's almost thirty years ago, man. Ooh. And uh, every year I get money. It's been used in about nine different films. Oh dope. Uh, Video games, 2K it was in the, one of the 2K basketball games. You know, everybody heard it in the in the Michael Jordan Last Dance documentary. Like every year, like that 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 is one of the, my most successful records because I get money from that record every year. But 
Um, that's that's I'm very proud of that one. Uh, you know, I did the Reminisce remix with Mary, Mary J. J. Blige, y'all. Uh, yeah, I did the What You See Is What You Get for Exhibit. Um, that one they get ready to use in the new White Man Can't Jump. It's in that film, the, uh, the Exhibit joint. My favorites right there, man. That video, that video is probably hands down one of the best, most creative hip hop videos ever, bro. Yeah, that, that was it a crazy is. video. And what was what was ill about that track is that um, when I gave the, Exhibit came to my house, and I played a bunch of beats for him, and um, you know, after I played about twenty beats for him, that was that was maybe like the third beat I played for him. And I played like after that beat, I played maybe about fifteen more beats, and he was like, "I only like that 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 third. I think it was the second or third beat that you played." He said, "Let me get that one." So I gave it to him on a cassette, and he left, and I didn't hear from him to almost like a year later. So I I kind of forgot all about it, and then he just called me out of the blue one day, and he was like, "Yo, can you come to Cali?" And I was like, <laughs> "Come to Cali for what?" And he was like, "The track. Remember the beat you gave me? I'm ready to do it." And uh, we went out there and do it. That's another track, a record that, um, see, like I tell, I was talking to someone the other day, right? Like I did a song on Farrell March album. Um, another one. War, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's it called? Um, it's called I'm Losing My Mind. It was on, a, uh, I think it was called War Monkey or something like that. Yeah. The album he did, you know, and I remember people coming up to me, yo, that track you did, uh, the track you did on Farrell March album, and you know, it was weird because I would tell him I haven't seen or spoken to Farrell in years. <laughs> and they would look at me baffled. And I'd yeah. be like, I sent him the track in the email. And we just communicated through the email. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, Went in the studio and he, and he did his thing. Oh, but, but you know, for that, let me let me digress. The, um, the What You See Is What You Get track that I did for Exhibit, I always give props to Sir Jinx. Okay. Right. Um, Sir Jinx played a major role in that in in that track. You know, I think he got credit for additional production. Okay. Um, give him props for like you know, it wouldn't have happened without without Sir Jinx that track. Okay. Because um, there was issues with the sample, and he went back in and played and you know with musicians and had them play everything over to where I, I couldn't even tell. Oh, that's dope. That's dope. If it wasn't for his his expertise and his knowledge, that track wouldn't have happened. You know what I'm saying? So always shout out to Sir Jinx. Okay, okay. Also, you know, um, I was talking earlier about one of my, my favorite joints um, you know, in rapper mode, Jesse West, third eye, that ease up, man. We got we we gotta come on, we gotta talk about that. Yeah, that track, honestly. That track came about, man. Um, we was having issues with Puff. Like he kept, he he was, you know, Puffy was so critical on, uh, you know, that was just his way. Like like, if it wasn't that shit, uh, he he wasn't gonna go with it. He wasn't he wasn't doing mediocre, yeah, you know. Yeah. We were going in the studio. That that was like our last track. We had like, we had like two different tracks for the soundtrack. And he kept he kept saying, nah, that, that shit ain't it. And it ain't gonna make it on the soundtrack. So I got mad and I went home, and that's why the hook is somebody said my shit ain't hit. And I was talking about fuck. <laughs> that's dope. That's a gym right there. That's dope. Fact, could you believe that? 
we was talking, you know, when I wrote that, I was talking about Pup, and 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 to show you what type of man he is, um, he knew, <laughs> he knew that we were talking about him. And I remember he said to me, "Listen, man, if that's what the fuck I got to do to bring this out of you, yeah, yeah, what I'm gonna do." And I, he said, "I know you're talking about me, but <laughs> I don't give a fuck. It's hot, and if you know, if I gotta pressure you like that just to get you to come up with shit like that, then that's what I'm gonna do." Uh, you know, but yeah, that's how we came up. We almost didn't make the soundtrack, man, because okay. he kept sending us back, and he was like, "Nah, that this ain't it," you know. And I got mad, man, and you know, came up with the song. Sometimes that's how the best music come about, you know. Yeah, sometimes, man, you gotta you gotta put that 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 fire up under. Um, yeah, and that that was a track too that uh, you know, Biggie Biggie. That was one of his favorite tracks too. Like I remember I was telling you earlier. I was telling him, man, you got the hottest track on the album, on the soundtrack. Like, no, you got the hottest track on the soundtrack. And I was like, nah. He started believing after we did the show at Palladium, the show I was telling you about yeah. with famous verse with him and Pop uh, to the to the spread love beat. Yeah. That same night, he performed for the first time party and bullshit, and it was epic. And then he understood what I was trying to tell him, you know. Okay, okay, man. Um, now. I know you from the Bronx. I know you, you know, you, you from the era too. So, but how was it working with the great Blastmaster KRS-One? How, how did that even come about? Um, well, I met Chris, I met Chris through Commissioner Gordon. Okay. Um, another yeah, veteran, yeah. another veteran. Well, well, you know, well, first of all, I was the first rapper on Motown, on the legendary Motown records. Talking, right? talking, talking. The, the first rap record that Motown ever put out was my record, right? And uh, that was a that was a deal that I got through Gordon, Commissioner Gordon, Gordon Williams. That's a, that's my brother, and uh, you know he introduced me to KRS because he was working with KRS as an engineer. Okay. And, you know, one day he was in the studio and he told me come down, and I came down and I got to meet Chris. And then um, what's interesting about that is that uh, when I went to the studio to play beats for Chris. I played a bunch of beats because that Step Into a World track just came about. I was at the tunnel one night, and when it was clearing out, Flex put on, um, you know, he just put on that chant. And I was just listening to the drums, and I was like, damn, I wish I had the drums by itself, which which I do now, by yeah. the way. <laughs> I got the drums by itself. But back then, I was saying, damn, I wish I had the drums by itself. I said, you know what, I'm going to go home and I'm going to just chop it and I'm going to just listen to the drums. I don't care what the top is doing. Yeah. I'm going to just drums and play my own beat with the drums. And that's what I did. And it, and it only took me about maybe 10 minutes to do it when I because I got home like three morning from the tunnel. And I did it, went to sleep. And uh, what I was going to do, because I was signed to Atlantic at the time, what I was going to do, you remember, I was I was following after Pete Rock. Remember Pete used to have beats fade in and out. In oh, the between. interludes, yeah. Yeah, interlude. So I was going to use it as an interlude. And when I went to play beats for KRS, remember back in the days we had dats. Yep. So, you know, I'm fast forwarding in the dat and stopping it to see where I'm at. And I stopped it on that beat for about, you know, in my ego, I was like, I want to, I want, I'm going to let motherfuckers hear how I chop this shit real quick. So I let it play for about five seconds. Then I went to the next beat. After I finished playing beats, Chris was like, I like all them other beats. He said, but what about that champ shit that you ain't want to let me hear? <laughs> and I was like, yo, you want to hear that? He said, he said, he, you know, Chris with his eyes, yeah, he was like, yeah, yeah let me hear that. 
and I played it, you know, and all his, all the people from the Jive Records was, all, they was all in the studio. Because it was a bunch of producers playing beats. Gotcha. So Jeff Finster and all of them was in the studio. And when I played it, even Jeff Finster was like, that's the one right there. That's the one. And, you know, I was happy because, you know, because I'm getting ready to do a song with KRS-One. But I was mad at the same time. <laughs> you know, when me and my partner left and we was on the West Side Highway going back to the Bronx, I was telling him, I said, man, ain't that some bullshit? He was like, what you mean some bullshit? I said, all them beats I played for the dude. He picked the fucking most simplest one. Yeah. And my man was like, yo, you 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 got a track on Karis one new album. <laughs> I said, yo, I'm happy, man, but you know, you know what? Let me go home and do more to it, man. Yeah. Because it was it's a four-bar loop. Oh wow, wow. It didn't have none of the drum rolls or none of that in it, you know, none of the breakdown. Like, you know, when you listen to the record, it's like bam, bam, boom, bam, check. It didn't have none of that in oh, it. Oh, okay. It was just a just a four bar loop with no breaks, none of that. And I went home that same day and started putting all the breaks in. And what's interesting is is when I came back to the studio to lay down, I told Chris, I said, Chris, I said, Chris, man, um, I changed the beat up a little bit. I put breakdowns in, you know, I, I got like about three or four different breakdowns in it. So, you know, I want to know what the arrangement of your of your vocals so I know where to put them. And Chris looked at me and said, put them where you want to put them. <laughs> I said, all right. You know, and I just, you know, like, I mean, I put it in the structure, you know, 14 bars, yeah, break, yeah, yeah. break. And, uh, you know, when you listen to the song, man, it just, they just fall perfectly. Yeah. Man, where yeah you, his, you would think it was written and customized around those it, breaks, bro. Did. And then he put me in this, you know, he brought the girl, uh, I think her name was Akiva. Uh, Kiva or something like that that sang the Step Into a World Okay, in the studio with her he said listen she's she's gonna sing a bunch of different hooks and if you hear something you like uh, you know come and let me know he went out in the lounge you know he was handling business in the lounge and so it was just me and her there and she kept singing different things and I was like nah 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 that, that, that ain't working try something else and when she got to the blondie mm. I was like oh I, you know, so, you know, I grabbed the pen and paper and I wrote the, you know, Step Into the World and, you know, I wrote the hook oh, and made no. her Okay. Yeah. I wrote the hook and had her sing it. And then we brought Chris and, you know, and all his label people in. And I said, because I went out, I said, Chris, we got something. He said, you, you got something? I said, yeah, she, she already laid it down. Come in, come in and let him hear it. And um, we let him hear it, man. And, and Chris looked at me. He said, Jesse West, you are God. He said, you are God. You are God. Oh, do you hear me? And I, you know, and I was happy. I didn't know it was going to be as big as it was. He did, though. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, man. That division. I remember hearing that, bro. That that record had a, it, it, it just was something different. It was special at that time because. At the time, yeah. Yeah, because people were kind of shying away from the rawness, the, that hip-hop element at that time. It was kind of, you know, it was a lot of bad boy, a lot of shiny suits, a lot of bright shit going on. <laughs> so, and Puffy remixed it. You know, that was ironic. That always that always bugged me the fuck out. I keep it real with you. I was just like, ah, Chris, what we doing here? You know, it, it still was a dope record. It, it was what it was, but nothing's topping that original. This remix wasn't bad. Yeah, I mean, but it's not. It's it's it wasn't that. The record was just on that level. It didn't need a remix. Yeah. I think, you know, he just, you know, he just because I never I haven't spoken. The last time I seen Diddy was. 
when Obama got elected. Okay, damn. It's the last time I seen him. So even in the midst of all of that, I wasn't in contact with him. Yeah, yeah. That that was that was crazy because again, I just felt like I, I get the science of probably why they did it because they were totally opposite spectrum at the other spectrum, like opposite. And I think it was like we gonna do something together, and you know what I mean, kind of be like, <laughs> but it, I don't know. And I think I was so you know, uh, uh, and, and go with the first one that I couldn't hear. You know, certain records don't need, you know, they don't need a remix. You know, yeah, yeah. but back in the day, that was it. You know, nowadays a remix is adding somebody he, on. He was, was the king of remixes back then. Yeah, so, but he, that, you know, he he, he oh, added yeah. something. I guess they felt he, he had something to bring in, and I guess he added something to it, yeah. you know. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But shout out, shout out to both of them guys, man, Karis one and Diddy. Um, that 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 was something amazing. Now, you did the remix to four one one, Mary J. Blige, to reminisce. Reminisce. Okay. One with CL Smooth. Oh, okay. And it had the horns from the reminisce from the CL Smooth joint in it too, right? Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Puff, Puff was a facilitator because what had happened was um, originally Tony Dofat was supposed to do the remix. Shout out though, fast. You know, him and him and him and Puff collaborated and they went in the studio and they looped Sucker MC, the drums for Sucker MC. And then something happened and Puff Puff called me out the blue. He was like, yo, you know, Tony, he ain't finished it and he out of town and I need to deliver it by tomorrow. Could you come down and help me? So I was like, man, you should have got me to do it from the beginning, you know beginning, <laughs> man, but you went and got Tom. And he was like, yo, I'll pay you, man. Whatever it is you want, just please. You know, I'll send a car for you. Come down and do it. So I went down there and, I, I you know, I, I, I played a couple of some keys on top of it. But then it's a slower record. So they had to slow down Sucker MC so much that it just didn't sound right to me, man. And, yeah. you know, I went back out. He probably was out, with, out in the lounge with his people. And he sat down. He said, how was coming out? I said, man, that shit is whack, man. I'm, I'm done, man. I did everything. I said, that shit is whack. That's a whack idea because it's too slow, man. You know, you should have let me do it from the beginning. And he was like, well, if you did it, what you would have did? I said, I would have put Rap's New Generation mm. under the Rap's New Generation, what's that? I said, you don't remember. Dum, 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 ba, dum, 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 general, general. And I said, yo, because cause, cause if, if you put the Rap's New Generation, right? And I said, and they got reminiscing all that shit out with Pete Rock. Uh, if you could get CL Smooth to rhyme on it, I'll throw a little bit of the reminisce horns in there. It's out of here. And, you know, his eyes lit up and he, and you know, he was a facilitator because yeah. next thing CL Smooth was in the studio writing. Wow. That's how, so, that's how I met CL Smooth. So wait, hold on. So you're telling me the re, you, you did the actual remix or did he take your idea and have somebody reproduce that remix? No, I didn't. So all of these years, see, once again, this is why this is check the credits. You do know that all these years I thought Pete Rock did that remix. Nah, 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 I did that. That's dope. We, every episode, I learned something new that I needed to check the credits yeah. on. That's crazy. I, yeah, all yeah. of these years, bro, I literally thought Pete Rock, and I guess Pete Rock and CL had the record out at the time. CL was on the record. It was just an automatic. Yeah, yeah. Reminisce, you know, one of the one of the hottest hip-hop records of all yeah. time. yeah. Definitely put Reminence top ten. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. In terms of hip hop records, and um, yeah, that record was out, and uh, I said, yo, you know, Puff, that'd be dope if you could get CL Smooth to rhyme on it. 
I'll throw a little bit of the reminisce, you know, the, the P-Rock reminisce horns in there. That shit is out of here. And and he made it happen. You know what I'm saying? That's dope. That's it dope. Is. Yeah, he, you know, that's why I, I share credit on that with him. I also share credit with Tony Dofat, even though Tony didn't do it, but you know how that go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that's that era. <laughs> and the same thing with the Supercat Dolly My Baby remix. Me and Puff share credit on that. And uh, you know, I don't mind because first of all, it was his idea for us to rhyme on it. You gotcha. know, he because when he came to me and he was like, yo, he said, Yo, me, you and Big gonna rhyme on this. And I was like, nah, for what? I don't want to rhyme on this. <laughs> shit. And uh, you know, he he, you know, a lot of people say I was the first to say bling bling. Yep. And um, you know, Lil Wayne made it famous. That's for a, sure. That's a fact. But I like I always tell people. Puffy's the one that came up with bling bling. Well, Puffy said ring ring, and I didn't remember that he said ring ring, so I changed it to bling bling. Wow! But but that intro, the way I come in, bling bling. Who's, who's that? That? Yeah, that was that was Puffy, you know, because because when I told him I don't want to rhyme on this shit, he was like, "Yo, you can kill it. Let me show you something." And he told the dude to let let the beat play because I, you know, I was I did the remix too. I did the um the music. Okay. So. He he told them to play the track, and he was like, "Yo, listen, you could come in like this, ring ring, do you know the way you be rhyming and yeah. shit." And I said, "Word, that's dope." And I grabbed the pen and paper, but then I, if I would have remembered, I would I wouldn't have been saying bling bling. I would have wow. said ring, but I I thought he said bling bling, so I said bling bling. But you know that kind of thing. And then he's the one that got married to sing on it and all that, you know. So when people was like, "Yo, I know you did that remix, man. Why his name on it?" I explained to them because he helped he helped make the remix. Yeah, that's he, a fact. Production is more than just playing an instrument. You know, the greatest producer ever of our era was Quincy Jones, man, and he produced the greatest record of all time. And he didn't play an instrument on it. Yeah, yep. That's a fact. But been what it was without him. That's a fact. I just I just saw a clip, I think, um, Jazzy Jeff was talking about he had uh he was in a room with, with Quincy and they was talking and he asked Quincy that question about um is a you know who who's the producer, is the beat maker, producer, or what have you. And he said Quincy Jones told him, um, if you have a puzzle, if I put out a puzzle right now, just just broke it out the box and put it all on the ground, and I said, Hey, you take that piece, put it here. You take that piece, put it there. You put take that piece, put it there. And the puzzle's put together, and he used everybody in the room to do it. Who put the puzzle together? He said, I put it together. You guys, I used you guys to do it, but I put the puzzle together. You know that's what I mean? And that's the that's the best analogy I have even heard say. And that came from the guy Quincy Jones himself. Dope analogy. I'm gonna run with yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a real situation, man. Um also, man, because you got a you got an extensive career. You got the production and you got the artist thing. Um, I know I became familiar with you. Um, I want to say it has to be this is video music box era, maybe '89. I'm in high school. I'm rapping too at the time, and I see this guy. No prisoner. Huh? Yeah. No prison. Yeah. I'm watching video music box. I see this guy come across the screen with the Malcolm X joints on, spitting bars. I'm like, yo, this, who is this? But it said it was Motown Records. I'm like, I don't know Motown for having rappers, but yeah, yeah. But the yeah. but the 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 raps was crazy at that time. I'm listening like, okay, this this got to be '89. I want to say right. Yeah, '89. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Capri put 
put put me on the map. Kid Capri was my biggest supporter with that record, man. Wow. Anybody that most people that know about that record from that era, that was because of Kid Capri. Okay. You know? Okay. Yeah, because he 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 used to put it on his tapes, you know, and at that time Kid Capri tapes was was oh, come on. That was the Bible. Kid Capri <laughs> tapes Bible. Kid Capri was the is the father of the mixtape. That's you a know? fact. That's a fact. And, um, and he, you know, I was one of the songs that he took a liking to, man. And uh, he he put it on several of his cassettes, and them cassettes was traveling around the world, you know. Like I even 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 hustlers, man, in Harlem, you know, I used to hear them drive by in their big cars. You know, I'd be in the Polo Grounds, and you know, the, the hustlers be out there with their cars, and you hear them rocking No Prisoners back then. That's a fact. So you know. Only because it was on the Kid Capri tape. <laughs> That's a fact. But that, that joint was hard. The joint was hard. The video was hard. The joint was hard. Not like they really knew who the fuck I was. Just it was on the Kid Capri tape, and they liked it. You know what I'm saying? And that's 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 how it went, man. That's that's how it was. You know what I'm saying? In that time period, bro, you get that you get that shot. You get to put on be put on somebody's platform like that that has the ear of people, and you, they could curate it and make people you know be put on the who's who. Yeah, yeah, Kid Capri, Kid Capri. And also, um, you got, uh, I, I, I want to say, I believe it's 24-7, right? Was that y'all group name, you and Nine from Nine Double M? Or did you have a record called 20, 24-7? Yeah, yeah, we was on, uh, that was a deal. You know, one day, uh, Flex, again, man, you know, Flex inspired me to do Step Into a World by hitting DJing at the Tuttle, right? Uh-huh. But, uh, it's just, again. Me and Nine sitting in the studio. We sitting in my studio. And, you know, Flex used to do an old school set. And, you know, it was mm. something. So I knew what time it came on. And I was like, hold on, Nine. Flex is about to do his old school set. And we put it on. And when he played Dance to the Drummer's Beat, I said, yeah, but nobody ever fuck with this shit, man. Like, you know, I should chop this shit, slow it down a little bit. Let's see what happens. And we made that record right there, man. Off of hearing Flex play again, he was playing "Dance to the Drummer Beat," and I just pulled out the record and and put it together. And you know, we we rhymed on it together only because he was in the studio right there. You know, but me wow. and I back, we did a lot of stuff together, man. But yeah, that that was a, that was one of the uh, biggest records that I ever rhymed on, to be honest. Besides Supercat, yeah, and but. That twenty four seven was was big. That shit took us around the world. Yeah, you know that, that one. That was dope. Yeah. That was that was a real dope joint too. And yeah. and again, you know, freaking a classic. You know, hip hop break a break that part of the the you know the fabric of hip hop. That's break dancing, b boy, and the whole nine to take something like that is crazy. And and to modernize it for that time period to still you know make it sound like what it sound like. We used to kill shows with just that. <laughs> It's that one record, man. We just come in and out, boom, do that one record, man, and and, and you know, we we did our thing with that record. Okay. You know? Okay. So I I I heard you talk about. I always ask this question to all my guests, but I heard you talk about um the records you did with Pharrell Monch, and you saying you emailed him a beat. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's another thing that that's a lot. That's one thing that's lost with our music today. You know, because of technology and you know, that's what really slowed me down, um, you know, from really trying to solicit and get on people's albums when it became that way, you know, yeah. email, me, email me beats. Because 
the, the, the biggest records that I'm proud of came about from that collaboration mm -hmm. of being in the studio with the artists. You know, um, like I said, with the Farrell Month song, I was like, damn, I mean, I don't I don't remember if at the time if he was in New York or not, or even if he wasn't, you know, for for you to for him to want to do that song, but he wanted to do that song because of the hit records that I made in the past. But I, I've, he didn't understand that those hit records that you wanted, that made you want to work with me, came about because of the collaboration of me and the artist in the studio. Yeah, fact. So like, when I got to Cali to do what you see, what you get, and I remember I was with Exhibit, we was in the house, and the, the day I got there, he took me to his house, and we were sitting in his little studio room, and I was playing. He was playing the beat, and when that part come in, which is an important part of the song, where it goes, players, pimps. Ballers, hustlers, even that, you know, and, and the beat is like, boop, 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 boop. When that part came in the instrumental, he said, that's the only part right there I don't like. I don't want that part in there. And I was like, nah, nah, exhibit, nah, check it out. This part right here is when you go, players, pimps, ballers, hustlers, keep it high rolling, keep it moving. What you see is what, and when I did that, he was like, oh, bad, bad, okay. And we kept that part in the record. Yeah. Because it now, if it was the ever where I would have just emailed him the beat and let him and Jinx go in the studio, they would have took that part out. Yeah, that's a fact. But they had to tell him, nah, wait a minute. Nah, this is what you do with that part. Oh, yeah, I think we we, we got a similar stance on that. I don't, I understand technology. I, I accept it. I embrace it. But in the same token, exactly what you said is that um, I don't, I think, you could we could still work if we in two different states or two different parts of the world, we can send it back and forth and I can still have input as well, even if I can't be there. But to just remove the producer's job duties and just say, I just need your beat is crazy to me. You know what I mean? So that's where I'm on the same uh, at the same stance with you as far as that's concerned. I do like, you know, it's the, the convenience of doing that and not having to spend a bunch of extra money and traveling and doing all of that. But at the same token, it's like, let's if we're going to collaborate let's collaborate even if we're not in the same room they've made technology so we can be on zoom or we can be on facetime or we can you know we can still collaborate but you don't i i, don't, I think that takes away from um the records being great they might be some good records that come out of a beat and no producer there but i think the great records are all collaborations there's people in the room multiple people in the room because it's because you know you're an artist, you're a great mind. I'm a producer. I'm a great mind. We both have our, our own creativity, and when we come together, it's, it's you know it's it's going to be better. My creativity. See, I'm a producer. My creativity doesn't stop just because I made the beat. Yeah, exactly. It puts a lot of a lot of young producers because I think you know a lot of people say a lot. They have a lot to say about. The generic, the, the the you know the generic feel of the younger hip hop of of today, you know. But what I say is that there's some incredible talent, man. Yep. These producers, man, that they on a level where they could they could they have the potential to create something far more powerful than what we did, but they're at a disadvantage because of this technology. Because of you know they're not playing. Their beats, they're clicking. Mm -hmm. They're clicking. Even chords, they're not playing chords. They're, they're 
they're clicking chords and when they, you know, oh, this is how you make a major seven chord. <laughs> they bar and lifting it up, yeah, you know. Yeah. Take this bar and bring it up an octave, but bring this one down too, you know, and this is how they're learning. They're not learning musical theory yeah. and then the way the human feel That's from what from what they're doing because they're not, like I saw a video on YouTube where it was this guy was teaching, he was trying to teach how to make your beats sound like Jay Dilla by moving, by clicking and moving. The hi-hats over. And, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you, you, they told me <laughs> his Jay Dilla beat sound the way they did because that was his feel. He didn't use quant. He didn't. He no metronome, no quantage. You're using the thing, the very thing that he did not use to make his beat sound the way you're using to make your beat sound like his. Yeah. That don't make no sense to me. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, but this is what the, these kids are, are, are learning. And it's putting them at a disadvantage. If they were just creatively as free as we were, man, they would be doing some incredible dynamic shit, man. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people say, ah, oh, these producers, they all sound the same and they just beat makers in it. You know, but I think potential wise, they have the potential to do a lot more than we did because they they're learning earlier, way earlier than we did. You know, yeah. and it's easier. Yeah, you know, I first started making beats, man. I was like 17, 18, and I would go into projects and there'd be fifty MCs, but nobody that make beats. Yeah, why? Because to get a a drum machine was two thousand dollars. I tell the 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 uh, the entry level to become a producer back then, you had to either have the money. Have somebody willing to put the money up, and you mm -hmm. have to really believe in yourself and really think you can make. Who gonna just shell out two thousand dollars on a machine? You know what I'm saying? Start making beats out of nowhere. You know, so nowadays the entry level is so you know it's it's affordable. You can you can have a computer that's been sitting around the house, some crack software, and make a hit record in your bedroom. <laughs> so, so you got programs to make beats on, on your, your phone. phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why you hear stories about Larry Davis when he wanted to be a producer. He was he was sticking motherfuckers <laughs> up. That's how that's how it was. Yeah, man. I, yeah I told people like man, a producer uh, to have a studio back then, bro. You they you had to, they had to figure you had some real money or some drug money, some street money, somebody backing you to have a MPC, a ASR ten, a SB twelve hundred, yeah. nine fifty. Any of those machines is well into two thousand dollars and up. And if you got multiple, yeah. you talking about just the production equipment. We ain't even enter a keyboard like a, a workstation keyboard. You know what I mean? A Korg or a Triton before the Triton, a Korg, the M ones, any of those machines. You talking two, yeah. three thousand dollars? So. Yeah, my first SP twelve hundred cost me twenty two hundred dollars. Yeah, I'm... SP and I had about seven or eight of them shit. Them shit is like my man got one now. He was like, "Yo, I'm trying to send my SP twelve hundred. They going for like nine Gs now." <laughs> Damn. I said, "Listen, yeah, they it's worth nine Gs. Yeah, for you to find somebody that's going <laughs> to put, nah, I think so. You know what I'm saying? Because nah. it, unless you someone like if I still had thousands of my floppy discs from back then, then I would want one. Yeah. Go through them floppies, but I don't have none of that shit. Yeah. So it serves me no purpose. Yeah, you like me, man. I I'll
talking about this the other day. I forgot who I was. I may think it was Baby Paul. Um, he was talking about he him selling some of his equipment from back in the day and upgrading and stuff and seeing a lot of people now who still have it. I watch Lord Finesse all the time on Instagram, and he still got the MP. He actually upgraded it with the little drive, and now he can just throw in the disc and the whole nine and actually play the original disc. I watch Easy Mo B, Pete Rock. A lot of people still have them. That shit is... Pete Rock. They still got all of those floppies. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's crazy. Um, I just, I didn't think they'd work. Primo, Primo would be doing his thing on YouTube too. He popping in his original floppies. I'm like, and then he got that 950 floppy in the MPC floppy. Yeah, yeah. Primo used the MPC 60, I think. 60, yeah. the MPC 62, though. Yeah, I think yeah, he, yeah. Um, you know, uh, DJ Scratch used the 3000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brothers, these brothers kept all of their discs, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that, that's amazing too, man. It's, it's dope to see it. It's amazing, bro. I'm like, yo, we still... And I think also that attributed to us having a... Like you're talking about as far as the creativity, we were limited with what we, we what we had to make it, so it forced us to become more creative. Creative, absolutely. Yeah. Um, they have every... Like you just talked about the, uh, the, the uh, Step Into the World sample, the, the Champ record. And um, being able now, you can isolate the drums. Back then, we couldn't. Or you want to take voice voices out, you can now. You couldn't then. Yeah, I got the drums by itself yeah. clean. Yeah, I was like, damn. You know, if if I would have had this technology back, I'd never been a step into a world. Yeah, you know what I mean. Because I, I wasn't interested in that. It just, you know, I just said, you know what, I'm gonna force myself. That's why it only took me ten minutes to do the original. <laughs> that I'm, I just, I'm just listen. I'm gonna ignore. What's on the top? Play, play a different drum beat. I'm going to just sample the kick, the hi-hat, the snare, and just play my own beat and ignore what was on top. But when it, when I finished, I was like, damn, this is kind of dope. Yeah, you know? that shit was very creative, very dope, bro. Um, so we, we um, I always ask this question as well. I'd like to know, yeah, nobody never really gave me the worst, but I want to hear your best and your worst studio experience. Uh, in your career, what was one of your best or or, or one of your worst studio experiences? Well, 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 my best studio experience was I was the first one to record Biggie. Mm, I heard that. Yeah, in Greg's studio. Facts. In TD High Studio. Um, that was I. I was gonna. I'm gonna say that was my best studio experience because it changed my life. Like it literally changed my life it changed everything especially as an MC it changed when I heard Biggie it immediately overnight changed my whole perspective on how to write to this day I still write the same way that I began writing the next day after meeting Big wow. because it's not like I copied his style I copied his approach to writing he freed me because before I met Big, I rhymed in a box. You know what I'm saying? Um, so sometimes it would take me a, a while to finish a rhyme because I'm trying to figure out a word to rhyme with the with the, the last word mm -hmm. I rhymed with that line. And you know, so in other words, everything was like, you know, you, you I woke up this morning in a in a you know, I looked in the mirror and said to myself, 
I can't see things clearer. You know, so I would be trying to, okay, I got to find something to find with Miro. And that would be, you know, what I would be looking for. When I met Big, I realized that this man didn't have no pattern. Mm. To he rhymed wherever he felt, felt like. like it. You know what I'm saying? And I had never heard anything like that. My first impulse was, damn, I'm not going to make it as an MC. <laughs> I ain't going to make it. Because Damn. I don't understand what he's doing. I don't understand what he's doing, but it's incredible. And, but I had a chance after they left, I stayed in the studio with the eight track. And I just kept playing it over and over and over and over until I realized he's just saying whatever it is he wanna say it. And the way he said what he said, he said it the same way he would say it in a conversation. And uh, that was another thing that I took, and I remember before the reason why the reason why Puffy brought Biggie to me is because I used to go and you know well let me start from the beginning. See when 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 I first got signed to Motown and major labels started signing rappers and uh, uh, major labels started getting into hip hop, all of the A and R's were still like in their thirties, mm. you know. And at that time, we were like 20, 21, 22. So we looked at them like they didn't know hip hop. Right. And we're even in their 40s. So when Puffy became the youngest A&R ever at 22, I gravitated to him because I'm thinking now, okay, here's, a, here's, a, here's an A&R that's our age that knows hip hop. And I had already known him. And and he, he gave me like an open door policy. So whenever I did six or seven demos, because remember back then you could get a record deal easier if you had an album already. Yeah, yeah. I would wait till I had seven, eight, nine songs. Hey Puff, I got eight, nine songs. I'm trying to get signed. And I would play it and he would just, he, he, he would say, you know, you, you, you're getting better as an MC. You're getting better. But he kept saying, Who's making the beats? Mm. I made the beats. And he was like, yo, you ever thought about selling some of these beats? And I was like, nah, man, these are my beats. Yeah. And, you know, I'm... and, you know, so I'll get another eight songs. All right, Puff, I got eight new, new, more new songs. He would be like, all right, bring them down. I'd give it, play it play for him. And he would go, yeah, you, you know, he said, listen, man, your, your, your rhyming is getting better. He said, but you made all of these beats? And I was like, yeah. He was like, I'm telling you, B, yo, your beats. He said, yo, I could, he said, yo, I, 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 I want this beat for Heavy D. Let me use this beat for Heavy D. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. No, I'm trying to get a deal. Yeah. You know? So anyway, to make a long story short, he calls me one day and he was like, he said, yo, you got a studio, right? And I was like, yeah, I got a studio uptown in the Bronx. And he said, yo, I got this MC that I want to sign him, right? But the problem I'm having is that in order for me to convince Andre to sign him, he got to have a demo and he don't have no demo. And I was on the phone going, fuck you talking about? <laughs> yo, I'm trying to get signed. You talking to me about signing somebody else. That ain't a nigga that ain't even got a demo. <laughs> Who the fuck is that nice? Ain't nobody that nice. Yeah. That can yeah, he don't have a demo? That shit is unheard of. Yeah. You're telling me you ready to sign this motherfucker and he don't even have a demo? 
He don't even. I said, yeah, bring that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, bring him. Bring him. I need to meet. I want to see who the fuck this is. And, you know, I had in my mind that I was going to show him out. I had all my shit lined up. I was like, this nigga can't be better than me. Mm-hmm. Wait till Puffy get here. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to destroy this dude. Whoever the fuck he is. He ain't got no demo and I got albums. I'm going to show them what it's about. And he brought Biggie Small. So that that killed everything. <laughs> I didn't goddamn thing. Oh, and, and- but, but the reason why I tell everybody it, he, Biggie changed my life is because um, the next day, the next day, you know, I I wrote a song and I went to the studio, I ran to Greg's studio, recorded it. And uh, so about a week later, Puffy brought Heavy D to the studio to for Tony Dofat to play beats. And um, so after Tony played beats, Puff was like, yo, you got beats you want to play? And shit, I started playing the beats and I stopped on that song and I let the song play for about 10 seconds. And then I played more beats, and that's when Puff, you know, Hab was like, I want that beat. He picked a bunch of niggas' beat that day. Mm. I want that beat. And then Puff was like, all right, cool, 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 man. We're going to talk. Come to my office. We talk business about this, this beat. Because initially Hab took one that bunch of niggas' beat, but then I ended up doing two more. But So he was like, come to my office. We talk business. He said, but by the way, you played a rapper a little while ago, and you, you played it for 10 seconds, then you stopped. Like, you ain't want to let me hear him. Who was that? I said, that was me. And Puff is like, that was you. I was like, that was me. He said, that shit. And I played it. And right after I played it, he took me outside and started breaking down how he wanted to start Bad Boy. He told me, yo, if you got four more songs like this, you got a deal. Yeah. You know, and jock. But that song that made him say, you know, I'm going to sign you was based off of what I did after hearing Biggie. Gotcha. And that day. So Big changed my life overnight. And, you know, later on, after I got to know Biggie real good, we did a show together at the Apollo. And I remember we was backstage waiting for them to call us on to do the show. And, um, you know, Big was like, yo, man, you know, that, 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 yo, the way you be spitting this shit, man, he was, because he, I swear to God, Big was like, yo, Puff love you, man. The way you be spitting this shit, man, your shit is on the next level, man, and, you know, I'm gonna get there one day, man. He said, "Yo, when, my, when I'm gonna be ready, man. When I get to my level where I can spit it like you, I'm gonna be ready, man." And I looked at him. I said, "What the fuck you just said, Big?" <laughs> he said, "Yo, when I get to spit like you, I said, wait, whoa, no, 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 Big." I said, "Big, big, 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 big." I spit the way I spit because of you. Yeah. And Big looked at me and said, "Pass the blunt, nigga." I give. <laughs> And he was like, he took a puff. He went, I ain't fucking with you, Wes. And yeah. turned around, walked in. And I swear to God, I was, because they, because right as he said that, they was like, yo, we ready. So we walked in the back door of the parlor and I was looking at the back of him and I was going, this nigga don't know who the fuck he yeah. is. Yeah. I said, he don't believe me. I'm telling him. This is what I'm saying to myself. Yeah. I said, he don't believe me. I said, he don't realize his greatness. But, he gonna get it. He gonna get it. He gonna get it. And even that, that's the only time my mother ever seen me perform in my whole life, right? Wow. At the Apollo. And when I when it was over and I walked into the car, I was like, Ma, so what you think? She said, she said, yeah, you know, it's different. You know, it's different. I never seen you like that. She said, but I like the fat dude. <laughs>
Even Mom Deuce caught it. Mom Deuce. She said, I like the fat dude, whoever the fat boy was. That, I like him. I said, even, you know, I, and, 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 I, and it, was, it was beautiful to me because my mother's a Jehovah Witness. Wow. I'm saying, and Biggie was like, I like the pussy when the pushes. <laughs> you know, and I remember, I was like, damn, my mother, I know my mother bugging out here it is. And when we left, she was like, but I like the fat guy. Wow. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? And the crowd that day too. That's when I knew, and you know, I knew, I knew, you know, I knew. And 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 even 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 big, big was big was was so real, man, with his shit, man. You know, he was real, he was real, man. I wish he was still alive, man. Big was so great, wow. great MC, bro. Um, so I I know you 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 embrace this technology just like I do, but. I wanna. What's your preference? If you had a preference, would you software versus hardware? Where do you stand? I prefer software because of the ease mm. of the recall and everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because we had hardware, right? You got to remember. Like I used to have, I used to have a, 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 a SB12, a S900, a, 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 a Triton keyboard. Uh, what was the other? The Trinity sound mm -hmm. module. I had a, a, a fat sound sound module. A plain fat, yeah. Module, right? And when I wanted to load up a song, <laughs> God damn. damn. <laughs> we had to load every fucking thing. Yeah, you know, I, I don't miss that. Going fighting, find the pro. Then you had to go. It's, it was like finding the sound. It was, it was sometimes it got to the point with the hardware where. I would never, I wouldn't move on <laughs> yeah. until I the beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it would take so much to recall it. To recall it, it would never be the same. Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting there going, damn, what bass was I using? It just I always had the idea. So then the first software I used, because I used Reason for about 15 years. Oh, word. That was the first time where... I was like, yo, look how easy this shit is. And it freed me up more creativity, uh, creatively because I, I didn't have to worry about, okay, I, I could put, I could save this. When I go back, just click, click, and the whole thing just opens up. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same today, you know? I go, I use anything, man. I, I, the only thing I don't use no more is reason. But I use logic. I use the MPC, and then I and then I started making beats with Luna. You know, um, I, I dip and dab. I got a few songs with Ableton. Okay, uh, I'm saying, and I depending on how I feel is the one that I pull up. Gotcha. But so easy. If I, I just open up Ableton and just click, click, click. Boom, it's there. You know, I may not remember what the hell I did, but I just click, click. You know, and the same thing with. With Logic, every now and again, I got hundreds of songs in a folder of Logic. And every now and again, you know, I'll scroll through and go, what the fuck is this? You know, looking at the names like, I don't remember. <laughs> Make it. <laughs> I click on it and it'll open up. Oh, damn, I forgot all about this shit and start working on it again. You yeah, know, dope. couldn't do that with hardware. Hell but no. now, the sound, uh, you know, uh, dynamics. Hardware is always going to sound better. 
You know what I mean? Like like the hardware is always gonna sound better. A Triton keyboard sounds sound somewhat better to me than than the virtual keys that might come with Logic or Ableton or some of the contact keyboards. Or, mm-hmm. But they got they got all kind of shit now. Yeah, yeah, they, so, they got all these different emulators. They they getting pretty close. I mean, it's 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 almost there. They're not too far from it. It's almost there. Um, and with all of the saturation and simulators and things you can do to make plugins that. You- yeah, right. you can kind of bring it to it, but just naturally, if you go on natural sound for natural sound, of course, hardware is going to automatically sound better. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a fact, brother. Sure. Um, you know, this is this 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 AI shit that's going around now, and Ooh. everybody is like, "Oh, this AI shit is out of control. This AI shit is out of control." And I'm like, we've been using AI and making music with AI since the first drum machine and the, the first synthesizer. It's all AI. It's just, now we call it logic, mm-hmm. able to mm-hmm. instruments. It's AI. It's computer, digitally computerized shit that's made to sound like a real thing. Now you got a virtual instrument. They call it your virtual basis. Mm-hmm. You know, you got virtual guitarists now. Even though they will, they'll never be able to duplicate a real guitar, but they got... You know, they got sounds that, like, you could go on YouTube, man. There's a guy, he's using a contact sunburst guitar. Mm-hmm. And he's playing that shit. It sounds like a the real guitar. guitar. Yeah. You know, that's AI. It's the same thing. So now they have advanced to the vocals, and everybody's going crazy. They got it. Know? They got it so crazy, though, now. I mean, again, like you said, I don't think you'll ever be able to replace the human element of it. Never. But, but they are in today's climate with how music sounds and everything sounding so like the same person could have did everything, it's going to be a little bit crazy though. Cause you got, you can literally go, it's an app I saw the other day. You could say, um, I want a trap beat, this tempo, this mood, uh, this, uh, chord. Like you can say it literally and it'll just make it for you. You don't have to press one key. I'm like, this, mm-hmm. this is almost, that's now that's getting out of hand in a minute <laughs> because with, yeah, but, but but how is it gonna feel though? You know what I'm saying? I mean it's, that. Well, we listening to music sometimes in today's climate where some of this stuff sounds like somebody did it because of all of the just um, punching, you know, like little dragging and dropping and stuff. So some of it doesn't have the natural feel anyway. So some of this stuff, no. Can you replicate Timbaland? Hell no. It's gonna be impossible to do that through AI. But can I? I leave people nameless. But can I replicate some of these other guys? Yes. Very easy because yeah, yeah, because because they're not using the human feel to, to make it. exactly yeah. they just in there they step and they step click at it. it yep that's it so that's why I say it's gonna be a little scary you know even with the keys they click it they just they just click 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 that's a G chord yeah click click <laughs> and then I then I added the D minor <laughs> click click yeah it's it's getting crazy it's kind of it kind of how. I don't want to feel like it. I don't want to necessarily say it phased us out, the older producers, but I do feel like when the younger producers came in and wasn't asking for the numbers we was asking for and didn't, you know, they were comfortable with just emailing somebody a beat or doing, you know, and not really being involved in the process. It's the same thing. It's like they didn't have to, you know, with business, you know how this go. Any business, any corporate structure, they want to spend less money and get the most profit. So any way that they're able to do that, they're going to embrace it and they're going to try to do it. Is it going to totally phase people out? No, just like it doesn't phase our producers to this day, but it does make it a little 
harder in terms of, you know, placing records or working with people. Some people, yeah. it's artists today. You breed an artist today. I saw an interview. It was a clip, actually, of somebody. It was an interview, but they brought up a clip. It was a producer, I mean, an artist who was, like, buying beats from producers online, and he was saying he doesn't feel the producer deserves to get 50%. So this is the, kind of the mindset that's starting to develop with artists. Is like, well, all you did was the beat. I'm like, well, that's half the song. Technically, if all I did was the beat. But you know, I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. He was talking about royalties. He wasn't talking about publishing. He was talking about royalties. And, you know, my take on it is like this. We was getting 50%. We was only getting three percent. So you yeah, know, on a royalty, you still nobody getting fifty percent on a royalty. No, so I I agree with him that yeah. the producer get fifty percent of the royalty. We some of your biggest producers only got three percent. Yeah, no, but that's what I'm saying. He's not. He's so talking about the split of the song publishing wise. He ain't talking about no, no, the royalty. No, no, he was talking about royalties because I I looked into it. He was talking about royalties. I seen that same clip. He was talking about royalties. Because publishing, there's no, when it comes to publishing, right, there's nothing for us to talk about. I don't have to ask you 50% of the my song. It's, I own 50% of the composition. Of the yeah. And we don't have to negotiate that. But what I'm you know? telling, what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm explaining to you is, that is the common conversation amongst artists. And I deal with a lot more independent artists and up-and-coming artists who don't. We know. We're in the industry. We know the business. We know how things naturally work. A lot of them don't. They're just learning this like kind of on the fly. So they've interpreted right. their own interpretation of these things. So when they see this stuff, they're thinking that. They think when they pay you for a beat, even if you paid for the license to the beat, they think they own it. If they pay you for exclusive license, they feel like, oh, well, I paid you for the beat. No, you pay, even in a record company, they don't pay you for the beat. They're paying you in advance on your future earnings on your from first. that beat. You're not paying to own my beat. I still control my uh, publishing. I still have my interest. But the artists, the up-and-coming artists and people that's coming into the music industry, they don't know this. They don't understand it. So they're basing it thinking that, oh, I don't have to give them this, or, or, or I'm giving you publishing. That's another conversation. They say, I'm giving you, I'll be willing to give you this. or give. I'm like, if we made a song together, they're not giving me anything. It automatically, we start from a 50-50. We don't have to negotiate. Nah. For but, the time, listen, you own the copyright for the time you, if you're sitting in your house and you record a beat, it's copywritten. Written, yep. You don't you you only need to get an actual copyright from the Library of Congress. You only need that to sue. Yes, and you're registering the copyright, but the copyright is yours by default of you creating it and making it. You're just registering the copyright. If you if you sit in a restaurant and you write a verse on the napkins, <laughs> it's copyrighted. Yep. That's the law. Yeah, that's a fact. Don't and and another thing that people don't know, right? Let's say like you do a song with somebody, right? And they leave your house and send a copy of that shit to the Library of Congress and they get a copyright, let's say in June of 19, of, of 2023, right? And then you hear the song in 2025 and go, yo, this motherfucker stole my song, right? And you want to sue them. Just because you didn't get it copywritten to 2025, and they got a copy written two years before you. That don't mean a motherfucking thing. Yeah. 
people don't understand it. That don't mean it ain't like the court's gonna say, well, his copyright is exactly so he must own the song. No, the copyright is just to give the court jurisdiction to hear your case and possibly provide remedy. That's it. That's it. They don't give a fuck who got the copyright who copywritten first. Can you prove that that's your song? song. That there you go. And and, so and with technology, which makes it even greater, everything is time stamped. Everything, anything you do now, there's a it's a it's a it's a digital thumbprint and fingerprint there. So you per you, you know, I, I tell people all the time, stop being afraid to put your music out there, putting songs. Oh, they're gonna steal it. They're gonna do I'm like, they can't they can steal it. Anybody can steal anything. They can steal your car if you park at the supermarket and get out, but you're not gonna not drive your car, you're still gonna use it. So it's the same principle. You know what I mean? You just take the proper precautions to make sure you get paid. Something simple as take your logic file that you made, bring that shit to court, and play it. Boom. Yep. I made this song. Boom. Look at the date on this logic. This is when I made Yes, and they can't have anything to predate that because they didn't do it. They wouldn't have it. There's exactly. no way. So that's a fact, brother. But, but yeah, but they, yeah, they, they, like, like I said, you know, with this, the way they're creating me music, when I think about it myself, I say, damn, I'm glad I didn't come from this era that where they had that because I play keys. I know what a a, a chord is, a mm -hmm. major minor chord, a major seventh, a dominant seventh. I know how to just put my hand down and play yeah. one of the yeah. chords. You know what I'm saying? I know how to look at a chart of notes on a chart and play that shit. Yeah. And the reason why I know how to do that because I didn't have this technology. I had to. You had to learn. Yeah. Forced. Yeah. I was forced. I had to learn to play keyboards. I had to learn. But if I was during this era, man, these kids don't, they don't have to learn. Like, I remember years ago, you know, the first time I found this out, I was uh, engineering a session and, and uh, you know, the young brother, very talented, he came to the studio with his laptop. And I was like, yo, what, what, what kind of um, MIDI controller are you going to need? You know? And he was like, well, MIDI controller. <laughs> Any control? What is that? And I was like, you know, to 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 play. He was like, Nah, OG, we don't. You don't need none of that shit no more. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I had that same experience, bro. That shit was crazy. He was like, he was like, Nah, you don't need none of that no more. You don't need no keyboard. You need keyboard for me. You do everything. Let me show you. And I was like, Nah. <laughs> you know, nah. You could teach me things, man, but you don't need to show me that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, nah, it's 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 definitely something. You don't need to show me that. You you ain't got to <laughs> learn, learn, young brothers. You know. Yeah, no, 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 man. Um, so we gonna bring it up to speed. We want to know what you got going on, man. We got Jesse West twenty twenty three. What we got going on now? Well, right now, man, I'm in the sample of making, man, and sound design. Mm. See, that's 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 what I started doing because. Um, it's the only thing that that makes sense to me. I know it's a very saturated game, um, but it's it's something that I became passionate about doing because it uh it it, it helped me stay up to speed with technology. Okay. You know, so it also um, gave me a, a an appreciation of hardware, those analog machines, and what they bring to the table in terms of sound dynamics, and um. And then it's also helped me learn what plugins that I can use to get certain types of saturation mm -hmm. and get uh, uh, 
my music to have that vintage sound, that vintage feel, you know. And um, one thing that I learned, some of the best sample creators that are out there, right, they are terrible sampling. <laughs> so they'll, they'll make some incredible, incredible samples, but let them try to make a beat with that shit themselves. They're terrible. Yeah. And they don't understand chop it. They don't understand what you and I understand yeah. do with a sample, how to chop it, what to look for, because they don't come from the era where we had to look through records. And find that special part. Right. <laughs> They don't come from that, yeah. you know. So they, you know, they they're talented musicians, but they're not beat makers. So I I, I understand that me being well versed on both sides, you know, I could do a lot with that. You know, it's just like um, I was watching a documentary with Sun Ra, right? Mm -hmm. Great. And you know, this man said to him. Hey man, your your music ain't all that, you know. It's, it's simple. My my eight year old granddaughter could play your music, right? And he didn't get upset. He looked at him and said, "Yeah, but can she write it?" <laughs> <laughs> Yo, nah, that's back. There you go. So it's like, yeah, you could you could you could you could make some incredible samples, right? But can you make an incredible track with it? Yeah. That's a that's a whole nother, you know. You, you could a lot of a lot of the people that buy your stuff. It's the way they make it is all you gotta do is loop it. Yeah, and you know, they're not even chopping. I'm like, that's why I don't. I'm not a totally against you know uh, loop people. You know, buying loops and things of that nature. But it's God is yeah exactly. But I, I I do wish people would be a little more creative with it. You know what I'm saying? That way you don't got eight people with the same loop. Sometimes I'm just on YouTube or on like just different things and I'll hear a beat and I'm like, I heard that shit somewhere before and it's, they just took a loop off Splice or somewhere and just kind of just put some drums to it and kept it moving. That's why you hear them talking about making 10 beats in one day and 20 beats in one day and all that shit. I'm like, yeah, if you just looping. You know, when you hear it, you like, you know, you hear the dude say, man, I, I man, I take me, yo, listen, man, I look, look at that, man. If you spending more than 20 minutes on the beat, man, <laughs> I listen to this beat and I'll be like, it yeah, sound no, like. You didn't. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, and if somebody likes it and you can make some money with it, more power so, to you, yeah. man. Facts, facts, bro. I want you to be successful. I like brothers are successful, you know, but at the same time, I don't like the disadvantage that it puts the younger, the younger up and coming, uh, you know, creators and musicians, you know, uh, and beat makers, it puts them at a disadvantage. Cause like I said, you know, a lot of, when I get with a lot of our peers and, you know, we talk about the trap music, like, you know, like I was telling you before, I met this dude when I was out in Cali, this dude was rich. I don't even remember his name. <laughs> rich, man, he yeah. did, he did songs on, uh, 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 um, he might have had a song on the Drake album. Yeah. He had a he had a song on uh what's that what's the brother name, man? Lou Dirk. Mm -hmm. You know, he punched them little motherfuckers, yeah. man. Little <laughs> and you know, I was impressed and I went back to my hotel and was on YouTube listening to, you know, these albums and I couldn't tell which one he did. Yeah. You know, there was nothing like it it was like they all sound the same. Like one album got six different producers, but you can't distinguish one from the other. Yeah. And a lot of people will look at that like, 
damn, it's all generic and it's not creative. And, you know, but them same producers, I believe, man, if they were in the right, if they had the right influence, man, they would be doing incredible shit. You know, yeah. there's some, there's some, you know, we think like I like like I, I I like the Dr. Dre's and the Timberlands. These are masters, you know, the Pharrell Williams. These are masters, man. But some of these some of these youth, man, they got the potential to be even greater than that. Yeah, no, that's a fact, bro. That's a fact, yeah. um, and, and like you said, with the technology that they afforded. There's no limitations, you know what I mean. So if you have yeah. already have a creative mind, and you like I I say this about this technology, just embracing a lot of our peers, a lot of older you know older creatives sometimes fight technology, and I go, you don't fight tech, you ain't riding on a on a camel to go nowhere. You get in your car and drive. So don't fight the technology, you know, when it comes to this this creative thing like music and film and TV and stuff. Embrace it, and if you have a skill set already, you advance. That's only going to make it easier, right? You would you rather carry around thirty crates of records to go do a party, or would you want a hard drive and a laptop and maybe possibly a little DJ uh, setup thing, a little rig? Exactly. You know what I mean? And I embrace, I embrace it. You, I embrace it. I used to have about fifty crates of records, man, taking up a whole bedroom. Exactly. Taking up a whole bedroom. Yeah. I sold all of them shits. Yeah. And you know, like. You got rid of your records? I said, man, listen, man, it, it's not the it's not the wax and the big bulky ass <laughs> that I wanted. I wanted the music. Yep. Now, before I sold all my records, I got all the music. Off. Yep. Yep. I didn't, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I didn't do all of this for the wax. Yeah. And for, I mean, nothing sounds like wax. Perfect. You know what I'm saying? Nothing sounds like wax. Like, like, like I have a turntable with a few vinyl records that I, for my listening pleasure, because, you know, when you put that needle mm. on that, you know, like an Al Green record, yeah. the free, it's another level, yeah. but I enjoy it when I'm just relaxing, you know, or if I have company, I put a, I put a record on. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a whole nother vibe. Yeah. And then to just play in the MP3, yeah. you know, saying Alexa play. Marvin, <laughs> yeah, uh, I was hoping she ain't start playing Marvin Gaye. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa, be listening, man. Oh, Alexa, what? Yeah, Alexa, nah, that's a right. fact, man. So, brother, man, I appreciate you. You know what I mean for joining us, man. Also, let the people know where they can contact you. I know you you on social media somewhere. So yeah, we, 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 I'm on Instagram. It's called uh my my, my tag my my name on Instagram is. Because my my I am Jesse West page got hacked, mm. so Instagram is um old dirty beats. Okay, it's spelled, spelled like old dirty bastard, but old dirty beats, and uh you know that's that's Instagram. That's 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 about it. You know I got to start putting some more of my content up. Oh, I'm also getting ready to drop a volume of chops, mm. uh, and um a volume of a uh, uh, uh that's another thing that I love to do, man. I love to take old familiar records, man, and and, and chop them up, you know. Mm. So I'm about to go real heavy on that. I'm collaborating with, um, you know, uh, 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 Teddy Tad from Austin so, too. Okay, okay. Help me with that, you know. He's the one that be telling me to been telling me, yo, this is what you need to do, you know. But if you you a lot of my chops, if you listen to the Awesome Two, you'll catch a lot of my chops because whenever I chop something, I send it to Teddy Tad, uh, you know, Law Finesse. Um, I was even listening to the Jazzy Jeff show. Mm -hmm. 
in the background, he was playing one of my chops. Okay. You know, they, so they out there, man. You know, I name them and, you know, chopping, like, take me to the Mardi Gras, chopping uh, Ike's Mood. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, you going to put like, me on that? I got to check that out. Yeah, to be real. Yeah, yeah send me your email, man. Definitely. I'll send you a folder with a, with, a, with a bunch in a minute. All right, definitely. Take it, man. But I appreciate you, Chop, man. It's been so long, man. Yes, sir. Uh, brother, man, I, for, for for real, man. All right, all right, y'all. And, yo, we closing out another episode, man. Check the credits, man. That's what it is. We had none other than a legendary Jesse West, y'all. We out. Peace. See y'all next time, y'all. Peace. Yes, sir, brother. Peace.